0: My name is Daniel Lev Shkolnick, and this is Reenchantment, a podcast about finding wonder in a secular age. My faith lies in humanity, not the supernatural. If you believe that spirituality is fundamentally about cultivating the human spirit, then this podcast is for you. Back in college, uh, there's really only one class that engaged me, body and soul, and this was the class on existentialism. The existentialists uh, were a group of philosophers that were concerned with the question of existence. Why do we exist? Where are we going? What is all of this for? And to this day, I still consider myself an existentialist. We spend so much time not really confronting this question, not really confronting death and life and what it is that we're here for. And yet I think that this is uh, a question that we have to answer to make sense of our lives in general. This episode contains my perspective, and I hope that it's perspective that you find valuable. If you hear blackbirds singing in the background of the recording, uh, it's because there were blackbirds singing in the background. I recorded it down by uh, the waters of a lake, and although they are beautiful, they may be Somewhat annoying. Please forgive them. And now, I hope you enjoy this episode of Reenchantment on the meaning of life. So, you want to know the meaning of life? Well, it's not happiness, and despite what most people think, it's not love. And despite what I used to think, it's not nothing. There is an answer to this question. And today, I'm going to tell it to you. But before we start, I want to let you know that I think this is a terrible question. It's a terrible question, and yet we keep asking it. And we're not the first to have asked this question. In fact, long ago, in a galaxy far, far away, an alien race asked much the same question. They built a massive supercomputer that they hoped would give them the answer to this this question once and for all. They asked it, what's the meaning of life? The computer thought for a moment and said, come back in seven and a half million years. And after seven and a half million years, they came back, eager finally to get the answer they've been waiting for. And the answer the computer gave to the ultimate question was 42. Now for those that don't recognize it, this is the setup to the British comedy, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And as you can imagine, the computer's creators were not too happy. They waited seven and a half million years and all they got was forty-two. But the computer defended itself, it said the problem wasn't with the answer. The problem is that they didn't understand the question. And that's a really good point because when we asked what's the meaning of life? This is a terrible question because we don't really understand what we're asking about. What do we actually want to know? Do we want to know the meaning of your life? Of human life? Of of all biological life? Or maybe do we want to know the purpose of life? Because asking about the purpose of life what something is for is very different than asking about the meaning of life, what something means. And what's worse, we often confuse meaning and purpose with influence. It's popular these days to fall into despair because as we realize just how insanely large the universe is, we realize we will never ever have a significant influence on it. But having influence or purpose isn't the same as having meaning. They're related but they're different, and that difference is important. My point is, when we ask about the meaning of life, we're often not very clear about what we want to know. And yet, for as long as humanity has been around on this planet, we've been asking about and searching for the answer in one form or another. We were asking it under the columns of the Parthenon. Some people sat under trees and on top of mountains for years on end thinking about it. We ask it in late night dorm room conversations with friends. We may ask it a decade later when we're stuck at a job that we hate and wondering what we're doing with our lives. We might ask it a few decades after that when in the midst of our midlife crisis we look at our red convertible that we just bought and wonder if it's large enough to fill the hole we have in our souls. What's the meaning of all this? What's the meaning of life? What's the meaning of my life? It comes back again and again and again. And the main reason that I think we have such a hard time answering this question is because we're looking for the answer in the wrong place. We're looking for it in our thoughts because we think the meaning of life is a piece of knowledge, but it's not. It isn't something you can find written in an old book. It isn't something that a philosopher could just whisper in your ear. The meaning of life isn't a piece of knowledge. It's a feeling. It's the feeling that our lives have meaning. The ultimate question, what we're really asking for when we ask about the meaning of life, what we really want to know is how do I feel Like my life has meaning. That's what the aliens should have asked their supercomputer. How can we feel our lives are meaningful? Now that is a good question. And to answer that question, we have to descend into one of the darkest eras of human history. We have to go back into the concentration camps of World War II and watch as, from the burning fields and death camps a Jewish psychologist emerges carrying a thin book which contains the answers to this question. That man was Viktor Frankl, and the book was called Man's Search for Meaning. In this book, Frankl said that meaning comes from three places. The first is doing a great deed or completing a great work. The second, is experiencing someone or something amazing. And the third is finding meaning in our suffering. The actions and experiences that give us meaning end up being the most important experiences of our lives. We feel meaning when we create a great work of fiction or music or we contribute to a great cause like a country, a religion, or an ideology larger than ourselves. We feel it when we do a great deed, like lift up a struggling friend off the street and bring them into our home, or visit our ailing father on his hospital bed and finally forgive him. It's when you experience the love of your life, or hold your firstborn child in your hands, and... It's in all of the years of suffering that come after that when you sacrifice blood and tears to raise that little monkey into a man or woman that you can be proud of. These are some of the things that give us a profound feeling of meaning. Now, at this point, you might be wondering why. Why do these things give us such a sense of meaning? And to understand that, we have to understand what we're talking about when we talk about meaning. Meaning, in this context, is anything that brings worth to our existence. It is any act, experience or perspective that gives us the sense that existing is worthwhile. Consequently, if we lack feelings of meaning, we may wonder if it's worth existing at all. When Hamlet, in Shakespeare's play, looks at the skull in his hand and says, To be or not to be. He's not asking whether something will or won't happen, whether he will or won't do something. He's asking to exist or not to exist. That is his question. When our search for meaning is successful, we feel our lives flushed with it. When the answer to Hamlet's question is a resounding yes, then we not only feel a sense of great happiness and satisfaction, we are also capable of coping with suffering, sometimes a lot of it. But when we fail, when we fail in our search for meaning, when we feel a hollow void where meaning ought to be, when the answer to Hamlet's question sinks from yes to probably not, and then when we are unable to cope with life's endless ingenuity for suffering, and our answer eventually arrives at no, then something particular Happens In the concentration camps, Frankl said that this common thing would happen to people when they arrived at this final no. One morning, this person wouldn't get out of bed. They would lay on the straw on the ground, covered in urine and feces, and no amount of warning and threats would move them. Then they'd take out a cigarette from deep down in their pockets, where they'd protected it for weeks on end, and they would start to smoke. Within 48 hours or so, they were dead. Meaning is fundamental to human survival. And it's not just a switch that's set to yes or no. Yes meaning, no meaning. It's more like the amount of wine you have in your glass. And as your life fills with meaning, the glass fills fills until it overflows and you can drink of it, share it with others, endure life's difficulties and be merry. But if you do not continuously replenish it, if the level in the glass falls and if it eventually goes dry, then you're in trouble. We replenish our glass of meaning in the ways that Frankel describes. So, circling back around, The first way, we can do great deeds or complete great works. And this can be doing something that we're proud of, that's in line with our values, that serves others, or contributes to a mission or a cause that is greater than ourselves. These actions often contribute to our legacy. They make us worthy of remembrance. And if we do something that's truly worthwhile, people hopefully will write poems about us and sing songs about us and write long biographies and eventually make blockbuster films about our lives. But more importantly, they remember us because we became someone worthy of remembrance. Or perhaps in a more modest sense of legacy, at the very least, maybe our children or our grandchildren will remember us with awe and wonder the same way that I remember our grandmother who herself survived World War II and to this day is one of the great heroes of my life. The second way is we can experience something or someone amazing. Now, in terms of meaning making, this is where love comes in. Love is when someone else looks at us with shining eyes, with a deep acceptance of who we are. Whether it's our mother or our father, whether it's the love of a partner or a friend or a child, love deeply affirms our worth to exist. We feel this existential worth when we lose someone we love. We feel that no one in the world could replace them. And when we, in turn, feel ourselves loved, we understand that if we were lost, no one could replace us. That's why people often think that love is the meaning of life. Because genuine love is such an amazing source of worth. Now, while love is a way of experiencing someone amazing, we can also experience something amazing. This can be an experience of wonder, of beauty, ecstasy, inspiration, joy, responsibility, uh, or a host of other powerful experiences. Uh, For this, you may not have to accomplish much of anything. For example, you might simply find yourself walking in the woods or under the desert stars at Burning Man. And through a combination of natural beauty, drugs, or maybe both, you may experience yourself merge with absolute existence and become one with the unspeakable all. In controlled psychedelic studies, participants regularly ranked their experiences to be among the most meaningful of their lives, and even the bad trips become meaningful with enough time. Which brings us to the third method of meaning-making that Frankel points out, which is finding meaning in our suffering. This form of meaning-making may seem like the hardest to do, but it can also be the fastest. Because finding meaning in our suffering is simply about flipping our perspective. Frankl tells the story about an elderly man who comes to him one day heartbroken about the death of his wife, whom he loved more than anything in the world. Frankl asked the man, what would have happened if you had died first, and if your wife had survived you? The man said, oh, for her this would have been terrible, how she would have suffered, you see, said Frankel, such suffering was spared her, and it's you who have spared her this suffering. But you have spared her at the price that you now have to survive and mourn her. The man said nothing, and after a moment shook his hand and left the office. Changing one's perspective on one's suffering can transform it from a source of meaningless pain into a source of meaningful endurance another form of linking meaning and suffering is when we are suffering for the sake of accomplishing a great goal and that suffering gives greater worth to do to our eventual success in economics the more valuable something is the more we pay for it in meaning making it's exactly the reverse the more we pay for something in effort and hardship the more valuable it tends to become How much more valuable did winning the World Series of baseball in 2016 mean to the Chicago Cubs, who had been trying to win it for 108 years, as compared to the Yankees, who won it 27 times in that same period? Or consider this. If a trim man puts on his tuxedo he wore at his wedding and goes to celebrate his anniversary, he doesn't think much of it. But imagine how much more it means for a man who had had to lose 200 pounds to fit into that same tuxedo and appear before his wife like he did on their wedding day. What we give to get what we want heightens the eventual success. Now notice that fame or money or power, they don't make the cut as sources of meaning. You could argue that these fit into the category of experiencing something amazing. And it's true that experiencing great fame or power or riches can in some ways be meaningful. But these things are primarily forms of influence, not meaning. They make an individual worth paying attention to by others. And in one way or another, they mark them as notable members of their community. And that does mean something. But on their own, these forms of influence can be flimsy as sources of personal worth. For one thing, the wheel of fortune can turn over in your sleep, and your fame, wealth, and power can be taken from you by forces beyond your control. Secondly, and more importantly, if you've gained your influence from something that you're not actually proud of, or don't actually feel is worthwhile, like inheriting a fortune from your parents or winning credit for somebody else's work or accidentally going viral for a video of you in a cat costume that influence or attention will feel hollow by contrast achieving great fame, power riches through hardship and dedication by providing great service to others or in accordance with your values that can be incredibly meaningful all this is just to say There are many ways to the mountaintop. There are many ways to fill your glass with the stuff of worth. And whether our paths through life will have an ultimate purpose at the climax of eternity, I don't know. Personally, I find it doubtful that they will. But I have no doubt that the paths we forge through life give us meaning. Some paths far more than others To paraphrase Carlos Castaneda, all paths are the same. They lead nowhere. But there are paths with heart and paths without heart. And if your path has heart, your journey will be joyous. If it does not, you will curse the days of your life. One path strengthens you, the other weakens you. So take the path that gives you strength. Take the path that fills your cup. And if it overflows, share it with the world. Friedrich Nietzsche, the philosopher, warned us, don't get stuck in nihilism. Overcome it. Crossing your arms and proclaiming that there's no meaning in life is no great accomplishment. And ridiculing the the meaning that others find in life is nothing to be proud of either. While there is no obvious purpose to life, meaning is everywhere around us. And just because our influence in the scheme of the universe is small, doesn't mean that there's nothing worth doing. In fact, we may be the most meaningful things in the universe because we are the only beings we know of capable of producing and experiencing meaning. The swirling clouds of Jupiter, the yawning black hole at the center of our galaxy, all the cold space in between have incredible, incalculable influence on the universe, far more than we will ever have. But they don't have an iota of meaning on their own. In the Soviet sci-fi classic Solaris, one character points out that humanity doesn't want to conquer the cosmos. We want to extend the earth out to its ends. And it's true. What matters most to us in the whole universe is right here. Our lives orbit around our mothers, our brothers, our countries, our values, our human victories and our human tragedies. When two hearts fall in love, it's like a nuclear furnace of meaning which shines at the center of our lives and fills them with light and warmth. And even if one day that love goes supernova on us, with the right perspective, the dust of suffering can itself coalesce into new meaning. So stop asking about the meaning of life. Ask yourself, how can I feel more meaning in life? Then go out and fight for something great. Go build something that will outlast you. Fall in love again and again and again throughout your life. Ideally with the same person. Find a leader worth serving or a young child to mentor. Find a purpose to suffer for or a purpose for your suffering. Say yes to every challenge of your life and every shiver of your soul. And if you can do these things your whole life through, and you'll never be lost in this world. In every room of your home, you'll find meaning living there. You'll carry it out the door and feel its firmness beneath your every step. You will feel it in the earth, and you will feel it in the sea, and you will feel it in your blood. Your very heart will flash with it, and your cup will overflow with gold. If you can attain the feeling of life, then you'll never again have to ask the meaning of life because you'll have it, it will be yours. Thank you for listening to Reenchantment. If you like this episode, please share it online or with a friend, it really helps the show grow. And if you're interested in more, go to my website, daniellevshkolnick.com, where you'll find more of my writing and ideas as well as info about how to work with me one-on-one if you are interested in finding more meaning in your life. And if you want to have me as a keynote speaker for an event, or just want to say hello, you can contact me through my website. Again, that's daniellevshkolnick.com. I hope you enjoyed the show, and see you next time on Reenchantment.